Good morning. How are y'all doing this morning? Good. All right, we're going to do a little bit of coaching. All right? If at any time in the next 30 minutes a critter runs off the stage, you just sit tight. You don't need to run anywhere, chase it. Everything will be okay. Everything will be okay. It's going to be awesome. Uh, what an incredible opportunity it is to be able to hang out with you this morning. And uh, thank you so much uh, for the opportunity, Bobby, and uh, for Chuck. And um, I sent them a video this last week, uh, a meme from social media about this is, this is what it's like when the pastor lets the youth pastor preach. And um, I would have showed it, except there's poor language in it. And um, it's... Uh, uh, that's a, that's a nerve-wracking experience, uh, letting the student pastor talk. And uh, so thankful for the opportunity. We had an incredible week at camp this past week in middle school camp a few weeks ago. Uh, and I'm reminded of the amazing opportunity we had um, a couple weeks ago with, with VBS. And the month of June has been a phenomenal month full of ministry as we've... Uh, allowed the Lord to work uh, in students' lives and in children's lives. And uh, at high school camp, we drive to Polly's Island, South Carolina, and uh, there in Polly's Island, we stay in condos. And uh, all the condos are four-bedroom condos. We have two adult leaders for, for every condo. And then we uh, use the facilities, the church facilities of a local church that uh, that's there in Pauly's Island called Pauly's Island Community Church. And, um, and then we do some of our meals there and we have our meetings uh, there at the church and it kind of becomes like home base. And then we go out to the beach to play games. We uh, do use the resort for some of the free time, do some uh, fun stuff in the local community. It's really a different experience uh, for camp, different than what you may experience uh, or you may have experienced at camp. But the goal uh, for us when we go to camp is to create opportunities for students to build relationships with uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and with others uh, through unforgettable fun, incredible teaching from God's word, powerful worship, uh, and through the ministry of leaders who are walking with Jesus Christ. And it's that last piece uh, that I think really makes a huge difference in the lives of students. And, uh, and so when Bobby showed that picture of, of uh, some of our volunteers uh, that served at high school camp, uh, you just have to know uh, that, man, they, they really did uh, give of themselves this week. Most of them are downstairs currently with our high schoolers. Uh, because they're all anxious to know what team won the team competitions this week at camp. And we don't, we don't tell them until we get back to here, uh, get back here to church so that we can encourage them to be here on Sunday morning for large groups. This year at camp, we studied through the book of Philippians. And uh, as we were uh, preparing for camp uh, over the last few months, uh, I began to just... Uh, any time that I would ride into work or uh, had some time on my hands, I would just turn Philippians on on my uh, Bible app. And uh, in some of the versions, you can actually uh, let it play and it will talk to you. And uh, so as I, was, as I was driving, I could l listen through the book of Philippians. It doesn't take long because it's a relatively short book, 
But I'd encourage you over the next week or the next few weeks, as you're getting ready for work or as you're uh, riding in the car, uh, to just turn that on and just listen to it or to take some time in your quiet time and to just read through the book multiple times over the course of the next month and just let the truths in the book of Philippians begin to settle in your heart and mind. Uh, We split the book up uh, across all of our teaching sessions at camp. And uh, as I looked back uh, at the different messages, uh, each message had one of these powerful verses that as a kid uh, or as a young adult, I've memorized so that I would have it in my heart. And uh, I was just overwhelmed with how just phenomenal this book is. The book of Philippians is written by Paul. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's written by Paul, and um, he writes the book from prison. And uh, if you know anything about the story uh, of the Philippian church, uh, Paul is on his second missionary journey. And while he's on his second missionary journey, he's trying to go to one place because he wants to go share the gospel there. And uh, the Holy Spirit stops him and sends him to Macedonia. And when he's in Macedonia, he meets this uh, lady who's a business owner. And uh, she trusts Christ as a Savior. And she encourages them to stay uh, there with her. And they begin to share the gospel. And in the process of that, Paul meets this young lady who's being trafficked by some individuals. She's possessed by a demon. She's being trafficked by some individuals. And so Paul cast the demon out of this lady, and because these guys are upset that they've lost their, uh, their opportunity to, to take advantage of this lady, they get mad, and uh, they cause a stink. Paul uh, gets thrown in prison. While he's there in prison, they're having a worship service together, and uh, there's an earthquake, and the prison doors open, and the prison guard is about to kill himself, and Paul stops him and says, no, no, no nobody's left the jail. You're okay. And uh, that prison guard takes Paul out of prison and uh, treats his wounds and um, takes him home so that Paul can share the gospel to his family. He does, they get saved. The Philippian church is born. And then it's on Paul's third missionary journey that he stops in to Philippi and encourages them. And goes from there to Jerusalem. While he's in Jerusalem, uh, some Jews see him hanging out with the Gentile and uh, they get upset caused this big mob to begin pressuring the political leaders of that day to uh, take Paul prisoner. And so they do, and they beat Paul. And Paul stops them and says, hey, listen, before, before you carry me off to prison, just give me an opportunity to defend myself uh, to my accusers. And so they do. And Paul turns around and standing there with the opportunity to say to them, you, you've uh, falsely accused me, Paul uses that opportunity to share the gospel. He preaches the gospel, which makes him upset. They call for him to be killed. He begins going through the trial process. And in that trial process, he claims his Roman citizenship. And because he claims his Roman citizenship, Roman citizenship, he has to now be sent to Rome to be put on trial. And so he does. They put him on a boat. Uh, They send him to Rome. On his way to the boat, there's an assassination attempt on his life. Then once they get on the boat, there is a uh, storm that comes up and destroys the boat. and They get shipwrecked on an island. While they're shipwrecked on an island, uh, he is around the fire. A poisonous snake comes out of the fire, bites Paul on the hand. He doesn't die. 
people are like, that's crazy. Carry him to their leader where he has the opportunity to share the gospel with their leader. Eventually, several months later, he gets put on another boat, goes to Rome, where he's put in prison in Caesar's personal jail. Now, all along this process, right, Paul's going through all these trials. The, the Philippian church, they send people to Paul to provide aid for him during this time. And this letter becomes a thank you to them for their gifts. But in the midst of this letter, what you see is that Paul, despite all of these things that have happened, he continually talks in this letter about joy. Or he'll say, rejoice, rejoice in this or enjoy. And so uh, we had for our students, since we were studying the book, we got the rights to create our own journaling um, Bible for the book of Philippians. And Karen did an incredible job uh, designing this book. And so each uh, lesson that we had, you would have the scripture on your left and you would have uh, a page to take notes on your right. And uh, we would encourage the students to circle or underline or uh, draw lines to different words to connect different thoughts that Paul's sharing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And uh, what you see is the word joy or rejoice shows up over and over and over again in this book. And yet here you have a guy that's been through all of the worst circumstances, has all of the reason in the world to complain or to talk about how difficult his life is or how the gospel is being hindered. But instead, what he talks about is how he has joy because of how God is using him wherever he is to share the gospel. And I think about our leaders this last week and man, like Bobby said, and they sacrificed many of them a week of vacation. Or uh, they were here despite, or they were there despite having family troubles here. Uh, and they were having to deal with that stuff back and forth. Or we had students that were trying to take college classes. And so had to get ahead in their college classes in order to be able to go spend uh, the week with us at camp. And uh, over and over and over again, we had stories of adult leaders who were giving of themselves despite everything that was going on, because they were looking for the opportunity for God to use them to share the gospel. And so as we look at the book of Philippians, I want to just uh, take a peek at chapter 1, and I want to look at it through the lens of how God uses our life to share the gospel with the people around us. That we are His avenue or His vehicle for the gospel being shared at your work, in your home, in your community with your family, or wherever it is. And so if you look with me in, in Philippians chapter 1, and I'm going to start in verse 3. And Paul says this, Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. And whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began that good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. This, this three verses becomes the, the kind of the essence of what Paul is trying to communicate to these believers. That God has saved them, and in saving them, God has begun a good work in their life. 
and that they are not just saved so that they could be in relationship with God, but they are saved because God has something incredible for them to do for him. And as Paul sits in prison and he thinks about these believers and he looks at the experience of, of where they've been and what they've done, he begins to rejoice and celebrate for what God is doing through them and how much of an impact that they've had just simply by stepping up in what it is God's called them to do. The first thing he says about the gospel is that, that we share the gospel through our investments in our relationship with God. That we share the gospel through our investment in our relationship with God. As Paul is talking to these believers and he talks about how much he's thankful for them and they bring him joy, he begins to pray a prayer for them. This prayer is an incredible prayer that I feel like we ought to pray for ourselves, but also ought to pray for those people around us. Look at verse nine, he says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters, that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. You see, Paul prays that these believers would experience three things. He prays that they would experience the love of God so much so that it would compel them to get to know God. Have you ever met somebody and you think, man, I just wish I could be their friend. Like, I, I, wanna, I wanna be that person's friend. There, there's something different about them. Uh, I wanna hang out with them. Uh, Bruce is sitting right here and he and I had breakfast the other day and I left breakfast and I just thought, I'd, I wish I could have breakfast with Bruce every week. Like, we could just hang out every week. I love hanging out with Bruce. Uh, because the glory of the Lord just oozes out of him when you spend time with him. And that's what Paul's saying about these believers. His prayer for them is that they would experience the love of Christ so much so that it would begin to impact who they are and that they would get to know God and that as they get to know God, that they would grow in their knowledge of him and that their knowledge would turn into understanding, which is wisdom and action, and that they would begin to grow in their walk with Christ. That all of a sudden, their lives would begin to change because of their relationship with God. And in their lives beginning to change, that they would then begin to show Christ in the way that they walk. In fact, he says in verse 11, may you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. If you're taking notes, I just want you to jot down Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Many of you are familiar with that passage. Paul, speaking to another church, talks about this fruit that comes from our relationship with Jesus Christ, that the more time we spend with him, that all of a sudden we begin to create, we begin to develop those characteristics that he shows, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But Paul then also says, there's no law against those things. So often we seem to be battling against 
our parents, our teachers, uh, our spouse, uh, our boss, a, a coworker. Uh, we're, we seem to be at odds with everyone around us. But if we were to take a step back and we were to look at odds with all of those people, there's hatred and strife and envy and jealousy, anger and malice. But Paul says if the characteristics of our life are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, if those are the characteristics of our lives, we, we, we won't be in battle with the people around us. And there's, there's nothing saying you can't show those things. So why not that be what marks our life? As I invest my time in my relationship with God, as I grow in him, that all of a sudden how I live my life will change. My investment in that relationship with him will change me. It'll, it'll change my relationships with the people around me. And so let me ask you this question. What is something you could do this week to grow in your knowledge of who God is? What's something you could do, something you could change to grow in your knowledge of him so that he could use that to make a difference through you? You see, as we grow in our knowledge of him, that investment will help us be the gospel to the people around us. The second thing Paul says is that we grow, that we, have, we show the gospel through the incidents in our lives. The incidents in our lives. Look at verse 12. Look at verse 12. Paul begins to talk about his situation of being in prison. And he says, I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. I mean, can you imagine walking through Paul's situation? In fact, I think that's part of the reason why we struggle with the book of Philippians is we cannot imagine being thrown in prison for doing nothing wrong and then having all of the different things that happened to Paul happen to us. But everything that's happened to Paul, you would think that his letter to these believers would be, would you please pray for me? I'm struggling. This has been tough. I can't ever seem to catch a break. I just need one, one break. If I could just catch one break, then maybe I could do what it is I'm supposed to do. But instead, Paul says, this has been unbelievable. I got arrested. I got beaten. I got thrown in prison. They tried to attack me on my way to a boat. And then I got on the boat. That boat ran into a storm. The whole boat got destroyed. We had to float on the wreckage to an island. Once we got there, we were trying to warm up. I got bit by a snake. And over and over and over again, Paul says, man, this is incredible. God has used all these incredible things to share the gospel. When he gets arrested, what's he do? He shares the gospel. When they're on the boat and they're shipwrecked, you know what he did? He shared the gospel with everybody that was on the ship. When they got to the island of Malta and uh, he's bit by a snake, what's he do? He shared the gospel. They even carried them, Paul to their leader and said, you've got you to tell him about this God that could intervene in this situation. And so Paul's able to share the gospel with even the leader of their country. 
Then when he finally gets to Rome and gets put in prison, I mean, he shares the gospel with all the palace guards. He like all of a sudden becomes the popular guy. Everybody's hanging out at, at his prison cell. In fact, later on in the book, uh, he says to the Philippians, all of Caesar's house, the, the guards, the, the servants, the staff, they all send their love to you, the Philippians, because of the wonderful gifts that you've sent on our behalf. They've all experienced it. Because everywhere Paul went, every situation, he's sharing the gospel. Now, when we look at our lives, we, we think, I mean, I, I can't identify with that because those aren't my circumstances. But then we could look at our circumstances, right? That phone call that comes one day and says, that test that you just had done, I need you to come see the doctor because he needs to talk to you about it. Or that promotion that you were up for, you got passed over for someone else. Or that person that you've been trying and trying and trying to show love and compassion to, they just continue to return your love and compassion with hate and anger. And maybe it's in those situations that God is working through you to share the gospel with the people around you. You see, God is using the, the incidents in our lives to be the gospel for other people. This week, I had an opportunity to spend some time with a student who uh, lost his dad. And it's not fair that he lost his dad. I agree with him. It's not fair that he lost his dad. And even though he doesn't understand why, and I don't believe on this side of heaven he'll ever understand why God would choose to do that, I was able to share with him how when I was about his same age, I lost my dad. And even though I did not understand why God chose to take my dad, I've seen over and over and over again how God has used that situation in my life to be able to minister to and, and share the gospel with other people. And here I stand right, in a field at night talking to a student. And even though it's been 30-some years ago, the story of my dad's death, that challenge in my life becomes an avenue to share the gospel with another student. And God's able to get glory from that story then. And the same is true for all of us. If we see all of the stuff we go through as an opportunity to display Christ. He'll make a huge difference in our lives. The third thing we see Paul talk about is the gospel through insight. The gospel through insight. Paul was able to see the big picture. He was able to look through a different perspective of what God was doing. There in verse 20, he says this, for I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. You see, Paul looked at his current situation and he saw two outcomes. Outcome number one, he dies for his faith. Outcome number two, that he has to live 
but that in living, he gets to continue to share the gospel. And Paul looks at both of those outcomes and says, if this is my two choices, I'm good with either one. Like, I'm good with either one. I mean, I'd really love to go stand uh, in front of my creator and be able to fellowship with him. That's what I really would truly want to do, Paul says. But you see, if God chooses to keep me here on earth, then I'm going to take advantage of that and share the gospel with everybody I run into contact with. You see, Paul's perspective wasn't on whatever was next for him. God's perspective was on whatever is next for God. He had a eternal perspective. You see, Paul wasn't working his three-year plan or even his five-year plan. Paul was looking at his eternal plan. Other places in scripture, he calls this the eternal or the blessed hope of the believer. So maybe this week, maybe we could ask ourselves, what is it that God wants to do through my life for the benefit of eternity? Or how can I have a perspective where I'm thinking about eternity as my goal as opposed to whatever it is that I wanted to accomplish today or this week? Have a different insight in how we see the gospel. The fourth thing, fourth thing I think we see about the gospel here is the gospel through our identity. The gospel through our identity. Look at verse 27. He says, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. How often is it that we make great Americans or we make great men or great women or great, you know, uh, members of our own family, whatever it is that identifier, right, that we identify with, we're great, we're, we're quick to defend those groups. But we're not quick to be a great citizen of heaven. Did you know that when you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, Scripture tells us that immediately we are adopted into the family of God. But not only are we adopted into the family of God, but Ephesians tells us that we are blessed with uh, just blessing on top of blessing upon blessing. We're made joint heirs with Jesus. We are immediately indwelt by the Spirit of God. And not only are we indwelt, but he seals us into his family. And then he gives us spiritual gifts so that we can make a difference for him. Gifts that give us the opportunity that when we use that gift in the context of building the family of God as a citizen of, of that family, that God will do more than we could ever imagine we could do on our own. I mean, that's incredible. 
what an opportunity that we have to live with a higher purpose. Even greater than whatever I can do in my job, greater than whatever I can do for my family, is what can I do as a child of the King of Kings? The interesting thing about being a citizen of heaven is it's really different than being a citizen of anything else or any other place. You see, as a citizen of heaven, I don't lord that over other people. I don't use that to claim that I'm being mistreated. No, I, I use that citizenry to serve others, to love others, to forgive them, to encourage people, to continue looking for opportunities to make the most of other people's lives so that they have the opportunity to meet Jesus. As I've watched our leaders this week and watched leaders back during VBS week and going all the way back to middle school camp week, I've seen them embody this idea over and over and over again. That they're not these extraordinary people for... uh, an education they've received. They're not extraordinary people for uh, what status they've accomplished uh, or for a, a teaching ability that they have. They're extraordinary people because they are regular people who so want to make a difference in the lives of students that they would sacrifice and give of themselves so that God could pour out through them. And in those late nights when they can barely keep their eyes open, knowing that they're only going to get a few hours of sleep in a bed that's not very comfortable and have to wake up and do it all over again, they continue to just pour out of themselves. And then God used that to make a difference in students' lives. And over the coming weeks, you'll see students that will be baptized and you'll see students that will be step up and lead in their schools and in their homes and you'll see students that will bring their parents to church and families that will accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. And you'll even see students years from now that will be leading churches and will be carrying the gospel to places like Kenya. And they'll be making a difference. And somebody's going to ask them, what's your story? Why do you act like that? What's different about you? And they're going to say, well, you know, years ago, when I was in high school or when I was in middle school or when I was in elementary school, I went to this event that my church put on. And it was at that event I met this leader and this leader invested in me and I heard the truth of the word of God and I thought to myself, I I want, I need that in my life. So I trusted Jesus Christ as my savior. Or I recognized that there's a greater purpose for my life And I said to God, God, all I am, all I have, all I ever hope to be is yours. And God used that in me. And here I stand today sharing the gospel with you. And you see, is when we as a church sacrifice and give for those opportunities, we we create the opportunity for God to be able to do that. But that just doesn't happen here. That happens for you at work. It happens in your home. It happens when you're hanging out with your friends or when you're with your family. God is using every situation 
as an opportunity for you to be the gospel for the people around you. And so the question that I, we wrap up with is what can God do different through you this week so that you can share the gospel with the people around you? The band's gonna come out and uh, they're gonna lead us in a, another song. And in that song, it talks about honey coming from the rock or, or manna from God. And if you think back to that situation, the nation of Israel came to God and God said, God, I need something to drink. I'm thirsty. I need something to eat. I'm hungry. And so God said, let me provide for you. And all around us, this week, there's going to be people that whether they realize it or not are calling out to God because they need something from him. And God's going to answer that we're going to be the honey from the rock that we're going to be the man on the ground, that we are going to be the answer for those people. And through us, God's going to be magnified and glorified. Let's pray together. Gracious Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity that we as a church have to hang out together and to, to worship and to celebrate. And, and Lord, I'm so thankful that we get to celebrate all that you did over the last few weeks here at Sugar Hill Church. Lord, you've worked incredibly and I'm overwhelmed with how you have chosen to do amazing things through your people. And Lord, what an honor and a privilege it is to know you, but what an honor and a privilege it is to be on your team, to be the vehicle that you used to carry the gospel to our community. And so Lord, I pray for th these individuals Lord, that this week, that we would walk into our week looking through the perspective of how can I make a difference for you. Lord, I pray that you would do incredible and mighty things through us. And Lord, we celebrate you now for what you've done. We celebrate you now for what you're going to do. And it's in your name I pray, amen. Amen, would you stand with me and let's worship together. Honey in the rock, honey in the rock, there's water in the stone, better on the ground, no matter where I go. I don't need to worry now that I know everything I need you got. Praying for a miracle, thirsty.
Man, aren't you glad you came today? Would you show Pastor Andy some love and thank you for your leadership, your friendship, partner in the gospel. I wanna echo what Pastor Andy said. I wanna encourage you to be reading through the book of Philippians. It's just four pages in my Bible and whether you use the Bible app or a physical Bible, I know you'll be encouraged by it. Uh, Pastor Chuck and I pick up with chapter two next week on our online service. So again, please be ready for online only uh, next Sunday at live.sugarhill.church or on our Facebook or YouTube pages. And then we'll be back in person July the 10th. And then also tonight, if you're able to, I know Sugar Hill Espanol would love to see some of your faces as part of the 5 p.m. service followed by the outdoor baptisms. But as we go today, I wanna just close with some words from Philippians. You ask the question, well, where are we going? Like, what's the end goal of this in a world where everybody's good at looking happy externally, but lacking joy internally? Here's what Paul says in Philippians 4, verse 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Pastor Andy mentioned, I mean, Paul didn't have it easy yet. He's able to say rejoice in the Lord. He said, I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And I love this. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. And that's our prayer today. May the God of peace be with you. God bless you guys. Have a great rest of your day and we'll see you back here soon. Love you guys. Have a great Sunday.